Ideas Political Pipeline Podcast. Today, my co-host, Rebecca Palsha, will be joining us in a little bit to talk about what's going on in Juneau now that the state legislature is in session. But before we get to that, investigative reporter par excellence, Mike Mason, <laughs> is here. And we have had a crazy couple of weeks. First of all, crazy. we have been updating the Amy Domboski situation, which involves the former municipal manager who was dismissed from her job and fired. fired and had some things to say. And what she had to say more recently was maybe a little unexpected, but it was a long letter from her attorney expressing a lot of details about her complaints. So what are the main complaints she has in that letter? Well, when she, when she first came to us, she she outlined those complaints with to us, but a lot of this was off the record. She put this down on paper and she did it through her attorney and she did it in a very detailed way. I think it was, it's a, an 11 page letter. I mean, this thing goes on and outlines everything that she found wrong with that administration. And she details, you know, bullet point after bullet point, what she thinks and says, knows for a fact the mayor is doing illegally or improperly or unethically. I mean, she has a whole slew of complaints. And we can't verify all of these things, although we have done a story on some of the contract issues. Uh, we've been checking into other things. But the mayor's response was what? Well, the, the mayor is not really saying much of anything. That's the thing. I mean, he, he's not telling us one way or another, whether this is true or not. And we've asked many times. We've probably asked a dozen different times in a dozen different ways, what way we can get a different statement other than, you know, we are not going to comment on this situation. So, Mr. Mayor, there is a standing invitation for you to join us. Either you could join us on this podcast in an unedited fashion, or you can join us for a sit-down interview at any point. We would like to hear it, and we think the residents of Anchorage would like to hear what you have to say. Well, I personally sent an email to the mayor this morning saying, Mr. Mayor, I am willing to meet with you off the record to go over the parameters of a potential interview in the future. We can talk about what you want to talk about. I'll talk about what I would like to talk about, and then we will come to, you know, an agreement as to whether or not we're going to go forward with an interview. But please give me the opportunity to meet with you just to talk about the possibility of having an interview. We think it's important that our viewers and listeners understand that we are trying very hard to get the mayor's side of this, and they've made a strategic decision for now to not engage in any detailed responses. Well, they're saying that it's a legal issue at this point and 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 the assembly is saying it's not really a legal issue at this point because it hasn't gone to that point. You know, it has not gone to that through that process yet with them. No one is suing the municipality as of right now. That doesn't mean it wouldn't happen, but right now the, the mayor has chosen what he wants right. to do. And the mayor also said initially that he wasn't going to comment on the Domboski firing because it was a personnel issue. Again, it was a personnel issue, but we'd still like to hear what the mayor has to well, say. Well, now it's become a personal issue because Domboski has made it 
you know, uh, he, she has become a very public figure about this whole thing. I think it's fair to call that 11-page letter a hand grenade rolled into City Hall because of how detailed it was and how one of the results was that the Assembly uh, proposed a couple of new laws dealing with uh, shrinking the amount of money that uh, the, the mayor's office can uh, write contracts for without getting – uh, assembly approval. So the, there has been some action by the assembly, not a lot, but some. And there is credence in what Domboski had to say as, as far as sole source contracts. I mean, there was an audit that was done, uh, you know, in previous years to show that that 30% of the sole source contracts that were written in 2021 were done uh, improperly, illegally, or by favor. And and she pointed out five sole source contracts. Uh, she gave them to uh, Assembly Chair Suzanne LaFrance recently, said, here's an example of five of them. And, and we did a story on it, and they were indeed uh, done improperly. Right. So there's a lot in that letter. There's a lot uh, that would seem to be true. There's a lot that hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, and... We'll wait. We'll keep waiting to see whether the mayor will sit down and talk to us. But that's just one little bit of the controversy mm -hmm. and the craziness going on in Anchorage right now. Because then we found out this week that somebody, and now we think we know who that was, uh, somebody was trying to keep municipal employees from talking to the ombudsman and talking to the assembly. How did that play out, Mr. Mason? Well, we had a very reliable source tell us that somebody within the administration was telling other city workers that they were being monitored by surveillance video, that somebody in the mayor's office was actually downloading that surveillance video to show who was going into the ombudsman's office which is critical because if you're going into the ombudsman's office, there's a good chance that you're filing a complaint against your coworker or somebody in the, in the city administration. And since this is a time where there is so much going on with the mayor's office, there was a paranoia of, man, somebody could be going in there and filing a complaint against the mayor. So we are going to make sure that we are going to keep people from doing that. So don't you even think about going to do that because we are going to have you on surveillance video and there could be consequences. That was the message that was being sent out. And then all of a sudden last Thursday, I believe it was, the city municipal ombudsman, Daryl Hess, issues a statement that says what? Says that he is investigating this case because he has received multiple complaints from very concerned workers who were told directly from a top administrator that this was happening. Now, this came right after we had submitted a public records request for all of the emails from a certain top administrator who was the deputy chief of staff, Bryce Wilbanks. We asked for all of his emails that had to do with surveillance videos, uh, ombudsman, anything related to what those rumors could be about. Then one day after that is when that ombudsman's letter came out. And the ombudsman 
uh, asked the municipal prosecutor to investigate possible criminal activity, possible civil act, uh, mm-hmm. violations. The municipal prosecutor then forwards the complaint to the district attorney mm-hmm. to avoid a potential conflict of interest. And the district attorney's office tells us Friday morning, the next day, that they are, in fact, reviewing the complaint. Mm-hmm. They have not reached any decisions. They may not for a while. But the DA is investigating this. And we then, you go down to City Hall, talk to the ombudsman, and the ombudsman agrees to go on camera for an interview. And what did the ombudsman say? Well, the ombudsman, just to give props to the administration, said that the administration took it very seriously, and they did investigate as well as he did, and they came to the same conclusion that probably nobody was actually downloading the surveillance videos, but the allegation itself carried as much weight as if somebody was doing it. In other words, the threat that you are going to be able to access videos and see who is walking into the ombudsman's office has the exact same impact as if you were actually looking at the video. Exactly. And so while we were talking to the ombudsman, and it's a very rare thing to get an interview by the ombudsman. He was shaken up by this because he's been in office. Well, he's been working as the ombudsman for the city for the past 10 years, and he's never seen anything like this. So he gave us an interview. We came back to the station. We thought that we were done with our story. We thought that was a pretty good story. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden... Listen, for those of you at home wondering how news gets on the air, we were surprised and had to completely rethink how we were going to cover that story because... Complete 180 because we got back to the office and just minutes after that, we received an email from the mayor's office saying that Bryce Wilbanks was no longer an employee with the city of Anchorage. And he went on to say, now the mayor did not say that he fired Wilbanks or forced him to resign because of this, but he said he no longer works for the city but he is taking these actions very seriously and does not condone what has been alleged and therefore is referring this to the Department of Law. So read between the lines there. I mean, the day before we request the emails from Bryce Wilbanks, the next day the ombudsman issues a letter saying that he's going to be doing this big investigation. Without ever mentioning ever mentioning Bryce Wilbanks' name. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Bryce Wilbanks is out of a job. And again, it's important to state one more time, because we don't want to overstate what we know. The mayor's statement said, Bryce Wilbanks is no longer employed, and the mayor takes this issue of threats and surveillance Mm -hmm. uh, issues very seriously. Mm -hmm. But the mayor never said, and has not said to this minute, that he dismissed Mr. Wilbanks, over that issue. No, but directly after saying that he no longer has a job, he says he does not condone these allegations and he's referring it to the Department of Law. So, Right. We can all make reasonable conclusions that these two stories are related, but again, it's important to note, and because now Mr. Wilbanks apparently is not thrilled with his departure, this is a story that will continue to play out for sure. This and, is not over. And I would like to speak with, with the attorney, um, Mr. Wilbanks' attorney, who I have reached out to. I would like to speak with Mr. Wilbanks off the record 
I would like to find out what's going on, and I would like to speak with any city employee off the record. And when I say off the record, believe me, it's off the record. I speak to city administrators all the time on the phone, text them. When they say it's off the record, it's off the record. I'm looking for the truth. I want the best thing to happen. I want the best outcome. I just want the truth to be out there so that the right thing happens and we all find out what is going on. I think it's fair to say that those of us in the newsroom expect more shoes to drop. Um, There could be legal issues involved in the departure of Mr. Wilbanks over Amy Domboski's demand letter, which has, to the best of what we can tell, hasn't been responded to yet. Uh, there will at some point be a response and then a reaction. So so this is a story that is still percolating in this municipality. Uh, we can't figure out where it's going to go, but all of our instinct is that it's going to go. Well, just remember that not too long ago, just a month ago, Amy Domboski and Bryce Wilbanks were two of the people that we were told would never be fired or let go. As far as the mayor was concerned, those were people in his tight-knit group who were never going to go unless the mayor went himself. And they're gone. They are. And we will keep trying to figure out exactly what is going on in City Hall. It's not always the most transparent place, uh, but it's not for our lack of trying. And we're going to continue trying, and we hope that you speak with us. We're available all the time. Thank you, Mike. And as Mike disappears, Rebecca Paulsha <laughs> appears. Like magic. Like magic. <laughs> Not only do you appear here in our Anchorage recording studio. I'm back in Anchorage. But you just spent some time in the state capitol in Juneau. Uh-huh. You interviewed the governor with Elena Sims. You covered the beginning of the legislature. What did you learn from your interview with the governor? Whew. I heard a lot of retreading of things we've talked about quite a bit, and the governor is, it's is very very eager to talk about uh, carbon, as you know his new way to bring income to the state. Um, Did he explain how that plan works? Because I think it's very hard for people to understand. It's it. hard for people to understand it. It almost looks like magic, like magic money. Um, so I think there has to be like more work kind of be, to done on like, is there no problems with this? Is there just is it really free money? Because it's kind of being billed as money on the table. Um, but Magic it, is a good way to yeah. refer to it. That's like, hey, we've come up with this idea, mm-hmm. and the idea will produce money, but it doesn't actually produce. Anything. No, it's credits. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a strange thing. That- yeah. And then we didn't, you know, um, I wanted to hear more specifics and was asking for more specifics when we were in Juneau. You know, because everyone has said that the education is the big deal. This is going to be the education cycle. So how much, and everyone seems to agree that that budget needs to go up, but no one has given like a number. There's no, you know, when I asked the governor, what would you like to see as as a number for education to go up? And he didn't have an answer to that. He said it was the legislature. It was like the legislatures, yeah. So, and I recognize there is a back and forth, and that's how that process works. But it would be nice to have like um, some some just goals, or presumably know. there will be a negotiation where yeah. the governor says, "I'll go for this, I won't go for that." And it's interesting that the governor, at least at the beginning of the legislative process, doesn't want to put a number on that. Yeah. 
And maybe that's just how you negotiate, and, and I'm the dummy. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Well, but it is, one must say, looking at this, that the decline of oil prices and therefore oil revenue in the state mm-hmm. of Alaska from last year to what's projected this year does create a significant budget problem for the legislature and the governor, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a huge problem. And I, that's a, you know, as a lawmaker, I'm, I'm not sure how you would deal with that because every year would be different. And it's just, you know, this inconsistent uh, number that relies on something that you don't always, I mean, you've, how much control do you have over oil prices? No, really. And, even, and there could be an event in the world, you know. Right. Even projecting yeah. the price of oil is pretty impossible given world events. And so creating a budget based on a projection that is so, that can move so much mm-hmm. is difficult. But everyone in Juno, I think, mm-hmm. you, cor- you can correct me if I'm wrong agrees that this coming budget will have less money than the last budget. Or are there people who don't think that? You know, I haven't talked to everybody, and this is a big new crew, and I'm not familiar with everybody yet. So we'll see. I think there is, you know, the House new House Speaker talked about the making this, you know, trying to tie things up fiscally and getting to work and wanting to look more productive this year and and actually being more productive this year. So we'll see. And, And they seemed like everyone had quite a lot of praise for the governor after his state of the state speech of kind of working with people better than in the past. And so what happened with the house leadership? They did like on the second day, they agreed Mm -hmm. on a team and who's in that team and (laughs) what kind of team is it? Yeah. So this is a team of Republicans, except for David Eastman and Louis Stutes from Kodiak. Um, and it is also the Bush caucus, which is two independents and two Democrats. And this is not a first for this to happen. This has happened in the past, but this um, is a new group. And so some people who were in and have been in the majority for the past few years are now out. But it's basically a conservative Republican group? Yes. Or not a, is it a mainstream or conservative? Or it, is that... it's a, I mean, it's a conservative group. It's um, And it's also issues-based. And so, you know, the kind of the Bush caucus is, um, you know, one of the members, Packetalk, is, is from the North Slope. And so that would be, you know, oil issues that kind of unite different groups together. Now, the PFD seems to be something that nobody in the legislature, certainly not the governor, want to touch in any significant way. But there is still some discussion left over how much it will be in the next budget, right? Right. And that's, you know, the governor says he's not giving a number. He is just giving the number that is, you know, required essentially by law um, using the formula. Um, And so it's not his number. It's what is the the number, and do you recall what that number is, roughly? It's, it's the largest we've had, and I don't remember it off the top of my head at this moment. It but it is about 3,900. It's, it's really large. And he had, you know, Elena had asked him, you have put, to, you know, out the largest budget. And he said, it's not me, it's the statute. So, But he did he indicate that there was some negotiation room to move backwards off that number? And did any legislatures, legislators want to talk about that issue? <laughs> Ooh, right now, I, you know, when I was there, that was not really the big topic. The big one was really just creating leadership at this point because, the, you know, the first week you got, can't get any work done until you have leadership. Um, and so that was the back and forth mainly between the House. The House was the big story. While I was there was who was going to be the leader of the House. And 
There's one other issue that I feel like we were ahead of the game on in our reporting, and that is the move to get rid of ranked choice mm-hmm. voting again. Mm-hmm. There are already bills. Three that, of them. Three bills to get rid of it. And did people want to talk about that yet? Or is that just, we at that stage now where people are just throwing out the bills and yeah. we see what happens. I think it's like that kind of stage right now. I think, you know, I think the further the time goes along, those bills will start making some headway. I think, um, you know, as you look at just, as you go through all the bills and what has been filed, there's just some really interesting stuff that, out there, um, including, you know, um, Senator Elvie Gray Jackson has one to not allow police to have chokeholds, which apparently Anchorage police don't do that anyways. Um, and then, you know, Forrest Dunbar, who was on the Anchorage Assembly, is now in the legislature, and he has one that makes it so that um, employers have to give a salary range instead of that being that process being secret. So I think it's just like the all the bills right now to me look fascinating. So but people, the, the majority is those three with ranked choice, definitely. That's a lot. And what we also know is that Kelly Shabaka is raising money on the issue of getting rid of ranked choice voting. So mm-hmm. she's going to campaign on that. And there's a lot of sentiment that she may be setting up for a run for the Mary Peltola at-large congressional seat here. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, she's going to definitely campaign on ranked choice voting to get rid of it, joining Sarah Palin. But unless I'm crazy here, <laughs> there's no way that you could get rid of ranked choice voting in time for the next congressional election. You would have to vote in the next congressional election in a ballot measure mm-hmm. to get rid of it for the following election. So you could run on it as an issue, but we're going to have ranked choice voting at least for the next election next cycle. cycle. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way it has to be because I don't think there would be a special election just for that one in a year to get uh-huh. rid of ranked choice voting. That would be expensive and <laughs> unlikely. I guess anything is possible if it comes out of the legislature, but I haven't read anything that would indicate that is a realistic possibility mm-hmm. at this point. Well, <laughs> we have so one more question about the legislature. Hmm. They are when do they really get down to business? Is that now or in a it couple be, of weeks? Yeah, I mean we've had the the state of the state is over now. I think um, I can't remember the date, but Senator Sullivan is going to come. You know the, the 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 delegation will come talk to the to the lawmakers as well. Um, but really, work is getting done now, and I think it's like one of those things in the process where, um, you know, we're just beginning and this past week was, um, get to know you. Get to know <laughs> There are enough new people that there actually There's is a, lot a getting people. to know you phase. All right. Well, that's another wrap of an edition of Alaska's Political Pipeline. And we ask you again to follow us, fan us, like us. And what else? We want people to tell us what you think. We get a few uh, tidbits from the listeners, but we really do like to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. It's fun. It is fun. So see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.